Welcome along to episode 19 on match day 19 of the Qatar World Cup 2022. It's finally here, the quarter-final stage for England up against France at 7 o'clock UK time, Saturday night. A game not to be missed. On today's podcast, we've got Gary Chivers back joining us again. Also got Stanford Chidge with his views on the England game. And Gus Ferguson, he's there as well from the Lillywhite Foundation to talk about the England-France game too. Also, it's Morocco against Portugal in the afternoon. But it's all about England and France in the evening. The quarter-final stage of the World Cup England have a chance, and can they win it? Let's find out from our guests. We're very happy to support the LilyWhiteFoundation.com, advancing young people through sport. For more information, visit LilyWhiteFoundation.com. I'm Gary Chivers. You're listening to the Ultimate Football Show podcast. So, Gary Chivers joins us once again on this episode. And, Gary, it's pretty much what we've been waiting for, isn't it? We, you know, we've, we've had some surprises in the quarterfinals with penalties. We said it'd be close between the uh, Netherlands and Argentina. And, boy, it was close. It was close as well between Croatia and Brazil. And both decided on penalties. We'll get your views on that a little bit later. But England-France, having watched the quarterfinals now so far these games are going down to the wire aren't they and and it's down to a piece of luck a great save a near miss anything could really happen now yeah i mean it's it really is exciting and and this is the business end chris what we call the business end you know this is where the teams go out and it all depends, obviously, what formation they play, what team they play, how they are they going out to win the game, or are they going out there like a, it looked to me a couple of times that they looked like they wanted penalties. Yeah, you know, I think but, but, Croatia definitely wanted penalties, didn't yes, they? they? Yes, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it definitely one hundred percent. They wanted it to go to penalties. Um, and then it goes down to the best keepers, you know, yeah. who's who, or and who's good at penalties. You think, though, Chris, in this day and age, they'd be practising penalties left, right and centre. But it's the pressure. It's the well, pressure. Spain, they, Spain, they practised their penalties, didn't they? They were told you've got to take a 1,000 each in training and they missed all three. It didn't make any difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. But it, the, 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 the games are so, so exciting. And obviously, yeah. Yeah. we have got one today, which is going to be absolutely brilliant. Are we worried too much about Kylian Mbappe? And you can see him not having a great game, but someone else coming, stepping up for them, like Olivier Giroud, like Griezmann, Dembele. There's got a few in there. Are we worried too much about Mbappe, do you think? I think we worry about him. But like like you said, on the other side, I mean, the winger on the other side, Dembele, we've got to watch him as well because he's, he's, he's dangerous. It, yeah. We'll know. We'll know um, when the when the formation and when the teams mentioned. If we go with a four, if we go with a four, Chris, we're having a go. We are having a go. If we go with a five, a five at the back, I think he might bring in Dyer. 
I mean, Giroud is, is tailor made for the fridge. He's tailor yeah. made. He's not yeah. got not movement, no movement. So put Maguire on him. Put the fridge on him. Yeah, let, let yeah. him stick with the fridge. The fridge is good in the air. He wins balls, and he's had a good tournament. You've got to say he's had a good tournament. But if if we go with Dyer no. playing, it's, well, it. listen. It, it, but it shows. It shows straight away our intent. What are we going to do? Are we going to mm. go with a five? Or are we going to go with a four? I think. I think personally, personally, with Stones as, uh, at the back of the fridge as well, with pace, we're okay. We'll go with yeah. the four. But that shows our intent. We're going to have a go. If we go with five, well... Yeah. Rumours are they're sticking with the same team. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But I, th- I think if he goes with the four, Walker can mark Mbappe. At least man Stones, for man. man for man. And Stones... Yeah can come over and double up if he needs to. You just leave Maguire with Giroud, as you say, and you yeah. leave um, Luke Shaw over the other side with Dembele. And they're all man-marked, aren't they? And then we've got a double on Mbappe if we need to, because Stones is pretty good at tackling. If he gets past Walker, he's got another one there. So surely that's got to be the safest option for defending, because we'll have Jordan Henderson there in, in midfield holding up a little bit. Bellingham going a bit forward. Declan Rice can drop in as well. So we've got enough at the back, really, to, to not worry about one player. Yeah. But it, it's just, it just shows shows what he brings brings to the game, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Dem- yeah. yeah you know, Mbappe and, and, and Dembele are, are both mm. on the wings. Both razor, razor, razor sharp. The, the problem is Giroud's too clever, isn't he? I mean, you know, when he had... Benzema in there, he was his own player, but Giroud's the team player. We saw that at Chelsea, we've seen it at Arsenal. He's the leading scorer now for France, um, you know, overtaking Thierry Henry. And he's a team man, and he'll, he'll, he'll come short, he'll hold it up, he'll play it off. It's not all about him, and uh, no. he's better than Benzema for the team, I think, for the French team. And uh, Maguire's just got a... Be really careful. He doesn't let him out of his sight. Yeah, because I'll tell you what Giroud does, because he, he knows he lacks plays. He'll come short to go long. He'll go long to come short. And if we just stick Maguire on him, Maguire's decent in the air as well, as, yeah. as well as Giroud. But he's yeah. so, so good, Giroud. Nicking that yard, pinching a yard, and all he yeah. needs is, is, is a yard. But vastly, vastly underrated player, and still is. Yeah, still I produces, know. still produces. Now, you, know, you were a central defender, so what was worse for you, to mark a centre-forward who was a, a, a big bloke like, like Giroud that can head the ball and doesn't be so mobile, or a fast player like Mbappe who's probably going to skid past you, but he's, he's short and, and he's got that body control. What was more difficult for you as a centre-half? Small player. The small player was always difficult. Especially yeah. when he, he he went short. If he'd go short, and, and and if he was, if he was quick, Chris, a little bit of pace, a little bit of pace. I, you know, I, I look at Mbappe and Dembele playing. Well, if you go really tight, they're going to go long. If you stand off them, they're going to get the ball to feet, and then it's one on one. And and the way they're playing at the moment, in years gone by, the centre half used to come out and help the fullback. Now yeah. they don't. Now yeah. they don't. They just go straight in the middle and waiting for the cross or the shot that comes in so they they can push out. 
They don't come across. And that's what our two fullbacks will need tonight. They will need for the wingers to come back or the midfield players. We've got the defensive midfield mm. in Declan Rice. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He's he's mm. out the end. Henderson. Henderson yeah. can help out on the right. Yeah. But you've got Declan Rice out on the left. And you've got Jude Bellingham in there. And he can just roam around the middle part of the midfield and, and pick up the, the balls that are coming out and then start their counterattacks with it, hopefully. Hopefully. And help Kane. Help Kane out. Mm. We've got to get players around Kane as well. As soon as the ball gets fed up, we don't we don't need to isolate Kane. We need to be in and around him every time he gets the ball. And I think the weakest link of France is probably the fullbacks. They've got Hernandez on one side. His brother got injured, so this is the second Hernandez that they've got. Uh, and and they've got Jules Kunde on the other side. They're not terrific fullbacks. And if we've got Foden and Saka attacking them, and then maybe Bellingham coming in from midfield and Kane, that's where we can really catch them out. We did it against Senegal, really qu quick counter-attacks, and they had no answer. And I don't think the French defenders in, in that respect are the, the, the best in the tournament. Do, do you know what Foden, I, I think, has shown his, his, his colours this this World Cup. He is so, so gifted. Mm. You know, when he, when he gets the ball and he drifts past players. And yeah. even when they try and bring him down, he rides tackles. He's a very, very gifted player. And he's, he, he's not selfish. He gets yeah. his head up. He wants yeah. to pass. And he gets himself in good, good positions in the box. We've got to thank uh, Pep Guardiola for that. Cause he's, he's brought him through really well at Manchester City, hasn't he? Yeah, he's, he's I'll tell you what, he's learned so much off of Pep. Yeah. You know, the, the way the way he plays, the way he conducts himself, um, brilliant yeah. round the ball, works hard. His work rate, even getting back, is amazing. Absolutely mm. amazing. Comes back, tracks back, and then gets himself forward. Well, he'd have got into any Premier League team over the last few weeks, but Guardiola dropped him because he said they wanted a bit more from him. So if you don't track back, you don't get in the team. We've seen with Riyad Mahrez in the past at City as well, where he's looked great going forward, doesn't go back for a couple of movements, and he's out for two weeks. You know, they don't mess about there, do they? And it's instilled something into to Phil Foden to make him the player that he really is at the moment. He, he's he got to be working 100% to get in that, in, into, into Manchester City's side. Yeah. Every player has to. The, the one thing, the one thing, what, every player in the world can do is give 110%. If you're giving 110%, you're doing okay. If you fall below that, that's down to you. You're not working yeah. hard enough and you're not working hard enough for the team and you're letting your teammates down, mm. which is another yeah. thing. So the first thing you should be giving is 110%. And if you don't at Man City, you are off. Yeah. So we we say thanks to Pep in advance yes. for getting Phil on the way. He's certainly yeah. done a, a great job with him. Substitutes have been really important in this World Cup. They've scored a lot of goals. We saw the the, the expert, well, actually still a Burnley player, was on loan, Vekhorst, who couldn't couldn't hit the barn door at Turf Moor, but uh, <laughs> scores two goals. I mean, how how big a call was that free kick, by the way, in the 98th minute to, instead of putting Gapco in to have a go directly, they play a, a, a ball into the centre forward from about seven yards out, who then controls it with one foot and scores with his other to, to level it up. I mean, Van Gaal, whoever called that play, absolutely astonishing, wasn't it? No one expected it. 
I love that goal. I really, really love that goal because everyone thought they was going to go for the chip. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden, he plays it into the box. And what the the first guy in the wall, uh, the Dutch guy in the wall, held the other players while the other <laughs> yeah. centre forward took it to one side. Do you know what yeah. I love best about that? When I saw um, the, the replays, it was the Argentinian... I, I don't know what player it was, was laying on the floor watching it all happen. <laughs> <laughs> he was he still he was still laying on the floor. I thought it was hilarious. That's but not what, brilliant. What a free kick. Yeah. Chris, what a free kick. How good is um Martinez, the Aston Villa goalkeeper, by the way? Because those two penalties that the Netherlands missed, they weren't bad penalties. Van Dijk whacked it pretty hard but the keeper I mean his hands are so strong and they, he went the right way obviously but I mean to save those two first two penalties it's absolutely brilliant performance from him wasn't it yeah Martinez he, he's, he's you have to say he's, he's probably been the outstanding goalkeeper yeah. of the tournament you know yeah. with, with, with pens with pens but you know what I looked at Van Dyke coming up to take the pen and I'm th- I'm thinking a centre half taking a pen mm. no oh that's you you know yourself don't do that what's going yeah, on don't, here don't, don't, <laughs> I mean I, I took a penalty against Shilton and he done the the best <laughs> thing he ever done he dived forward otherwise it wouldn't have reached a goal I scuffed it <laughs> but but yeah centre half coming up and taking a pen you could see and I was, I was I was shouting it he's not getting this he's not getting this and it was a lovely height You've either yeah, got yeah, you've either yeah. got to go, Chris, really, really low, yeah, really low in the corners, really low, right? Or you've got to go really high. But if you've got a goalkeeper, I think he's six foot eight or something, and one of the goalkeepers there, you have to go low because yes. they can't get down quick enough. Can they? They can get up, no. obviously quicker than they can get down to the ground. So. It's not rocket science. If you've got a, a large, tall goalkeeper in in the goal, then just go low with it, and yeah. all of a sudden, yeah. yes, you know, you know, you you've got it. You got half a chance, haven't you? But uh, I mean, tonight it's not going to go to penalties tonight, though, is it? I, I hope not. I really hope not. And I hope we don't, Chris. I hope we don't start defending for 30 minutes hoping it's going to go to penalties and then we you know they get a yeah. goal late in the game I, I just want us to have a go and I, I've yeah. said it all along if you're playing in this World Cup please come and have a go go and have a go let's have a go at them don't mm. go with five at the back but play what we've been used to four at the back three and three and let's have a go let's have a right good go and we saw again with Argentina against Netherlands, they changed their system from a 4-1-2-3, didn't they? They matched Holland up and went three at the back. And for the first half an hour, Argentina had no plan whatsoever. That Dutch side, uh, Chris, as well, that, what I liked about him, Van Gogh, I mean, he changed his tactics. He changed his tactics during the game mm. three or four times. And yeah. do you know what? We went to basic route one at the death. Yeah, yeah, where we had they had nothing to play for. Yeah. They put Van Dyke up front, and they're they're tall players on the pitch, and they was just lumping it into the box. But it shows that people are not used to playing that way or in defending mm. against it. They got a lot of joy out of it, and was was unlucky not to nick it in the end. Yeah, 
Listen, it's been fascinating so far. Um, we've got Morocco, Portugal in the afternoon. Morocco is a team with heart, isn't it? Portugal have got Goncalo uh, Ramos now, 21-year-old, scored a hat-trick, taken over from Ronaldo. He's there. Jao Felix is there. Pepe, the old man's in there as well. Um, on the other side, we've got Hakimi, who's pretty cool for Morocco. And Hakim Ziyech has had a great World Cup and will now cost whoever wants to buy him from Chelsea a few more dollars than he would have been purchased before the World Cup. Quick word on this game. How, how do, I know we said it was going to be tight for Morocco against Spain. I think it's going to be another tight game. Morocco are just going to sit in and, and hope and go on the counter-attack, perhaps? Yeah, that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to sit back. They're going to let uh, Portugal have a go at them, and they're going to try and meet them on the counter. For me, as as well, what's he going to do? What's he going to? He's going to put Ronaldo sub, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. When you look at um, when you look at this game, Chris, it's I th- I think it's tailor made for Portugal. It really is tailor made for Portugal to to sit back and and, and they'll probably be it'd be a cagey old game I think for the first yeah. first yeah. half hour uh, thirty five minutes, but with 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 the guy up front who who, who, who Ramos Ramos yeah. yeah you you're 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 looking at him Chris he's so eager yeah. he's so eager to score more he's got that hunger in him he's got his fire in the belly yeah. can't wait to see him play and I fancy him again to today to score against Morocco fearless that's what you want to be fearless at 21 you can be fearless so that's going to be a tight one I think Portugal will probably sneak it it's going to go yeah. the distance might even go to pens again but certainly I think it'll go into uh, extra time that one and then England France what's your prediction I'm going to go uh, oh you know I, I said before the tournament England got no chance of winning and they should be 25 to 1 and not 8 to 1. And the bookies had them in. But the more you see the competition, it's you know, it's not down to pure tactics and pure who's the best player on the pitch. It's who gets the luck, who gets the deflection, who gets the goal, who gets a great save, who gets a last minute equaliser. You know, I think we can beat France tonight. I think it's going to be tight, but I'm going to go 2 1 to England in 90 minutes. That's what I'm going to say. I would agree with you two one, but I'm not going to agree with you. I'm going to go two New England, oh. and I think England England will score first. I think England will score first, obviously, in the first half. Yeah, they'd have to if it was if 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 it's nil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they'll hold on and hold on, Chris, and they'll get a late goal. They'll get right. a late goal where the the French are attacking us and attacking us, and they're going to leave no one at the back, and we're going to nick a goal because the one thing about watching England, what I've learned over the years, they keep you right on the edge of your seats. You can never relax. We never go out and thrash a team 5, 6, 7 or 3-0 or 2-0. It's always tight games. I'd, I'd love to be able to watch a game and not be biting me fingernails or, yeah. or pulling me hair out. And you know, yeah. Look at me. I've been watching England too long. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to watch England and relax, but they're not going to do that. But I do fancy our chances. I really, really do. I think it's a great opportunity for us as well. 
Um, we're going to speak to Gus Ferguson in a moment, talk about uh, the Tottenham players in particular. He's a massive Tottenham supporter. Who's going to win the battle between Hugo Lloris and Harry Kane? They're obviously teammates at Tottenham, playing against each other in the quarterfinal of the World Cup. Does Lloris come out saying to Harry, he didn't score against me? Or does Harry come out and say, that's the goal that I've always wanted to score against you for England? Who wins the battle between those two? My money, for sure, for sure, is on Harry Kane. I really do. I really do fancy him against Hugo Lloris. Yeah. With penalties, with, with anything. I, I think I think he's got his number marked, his card marked. Uh, so I'm, I'm going with Harry Kane on that. And on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you about this game tonight? Uh, I would say on a scale of 1 to 10, probably about 500. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> now. I'm excited now. I yeah. just, I just can't wait for it to start. And, and I, the first thing, the first thing, right? And, um, I look at the team sheets. I get excited looking at the team sheets because I'm thinking of formations, mm. what they're going to do, how we're going to play, uh, what tempo we're going to play at. And I just hope, I really hope and pray, pray that we go for four at the back because it means we're yeah. having a go. It means we're having a go. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be. Uh, well, it, whatever happens, if it's a great game or not, it's going to be fascinating. I, I think our bench is going to be decisive as well. You know, players like Grealish, Sterling's coming back, isn't he? You know, we've got players that can can make a Mason Mount as well. Mason, Mason Mount, Mount, obviously, yeah, yeah. That, that could be decisive. I think our bench could be the, the winning tactic that we're going to need here, but should be a great game. Hopefully, do you know what, Chris? I, I'm only I'm only thinking here, and I'm thinking. I, I hope Grealish don't get on. I really hope Grealish don't get on. And you, everyone's going to go, what, what? You're going mad. If we put Grealish on, it means we're chasing the game. Mm. It means we're chasing the game. And that's why I'm thinking, I hope he don't come on. I I, I hope we stick a... Well, a Calvin Phillips on, yes. Yeah, Cal, a, Cal, a Calvin Phillips to come in and, and shore up the game in the last 15 minutes. If we stick Grealish on, because I think he's a fantastic player. I do mm. really think he's a, mm. a great player. Um, it means we're chasing the game. But I'd rather have Grealish on chasing the game rather than looking at their substitutions. Our substitutions are miles better than theirs. You're listening to the Ultimate Football Show podcast with Gary Chivers and Chris Barnett. Well, there's no doubt that England versus France is the standout tie for us over here in the UK this Saturday night at 7 o'clock. England versus France. Mbappe in there with Griezmann up front as well. Dembele's been playing well. Lloris in goal. They've got great players all over the place. I spoke to Stamford Chidge about the game and his thoughts on England versus France and I started talking of from the Chelsea angle on a former Chelsea player who's leading the line now for France at this World Cup and that is Olivier Giroud. I loved Oli Giroud for us. I thought he was brilliant and I think he went too soon in a way. I mean, he's he's a vastly, vastly underrated striker and I think he's incredibly effective. I mean, it's really interesting. I was hearing a couple of French pundits over the weekend and they were all saying that actually we're really glad, don't tell anybody, but we're glad that Benzema's injured because actually we play much better with Oli up front because, of course, mm. he, he brings other people into the game so well. His hold-up plays excellent. He's got bags of technical ability and he can score goals. And yet Oli's always been 
criticised, hasn't he? He does. Oh, he's not a natural goal scorer. He doesn't bang as many in as most number nines. And yet here he is. He's France's all-time leading goal scorer, beating yeah. Thierry Henry. So he yeah. can't be that bad at sticking it. Bad at sticking it in the onion bag, can he? <laughs> you know. And I love <laughs> him. I really do. Um, having said that, you know, when Chelsea played AC Milan, I mean, we just basically neutered him totally. So, you know, I think I think you can you can shut him down quite effectively, mu- possibly more so than you could Benzema, who I think is a really good player or certainly had a fantastic season. But mate, they're strong everywhere. You know, yeah. if you've got you've got Giroud up front, you've got Dembele, Griezmann, and Mbappe behind him. I mean, that's got to be one of the best attacking three in the world. And Mbappe, I'd argue, is probably the best player in the world at the moment. And yeah. he was brilliant against Poland. And on his own, he can beat anybody. So that's a worry. I think Chimaney, who, of course, we, we we desperately wanted to buy and failed to do so. I think he's suspended, isn't he, for the uh, the quarterfinal against us, I have a feeling. Right. Well, he's not, he's not been brilliant, has he, this time around, though? No, he hasn't. That's true. Oh. Uh, he, yeah, he's definitely out because he got a yellow... Rabiot's a good player, somebody we've been interested in. And yet again, mm. Rabiot was also part of the Juventus side that we beat 4-0. So, mm. you, know, you know, they're not, they're not, you know, they're not indomitable, if you see what I mean. Kunde's a good player. I mean, the defence is good too, you know. Yeah. Upper Makeno, we we were after him. Varane, a uh, good player, plays for United, used to be at Real Madrid. Uh, Kunde, another good player. Maybe the only weakness in the side, Chris, is the Tottenham goalkeeper, Lloris. Yeah, and the Hernandez, because his brother got injured in, and this is the second Hernandez. It's the other uh, Hernandez, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the other Hernandez as a fullback. But they don't look that weak at the back. Do you know, everyone's saying about, and they're probably right, I don't think anyone can play one-on-one one against Mbappe and, and come out over 90 minutes with him in his pocket, whether it be Kyle Walker or whether they bring Declan Rice over to support him. Is it not cutting off the supply to not get Mbappe the ball in the first place is how we're going to win this game. Well, I suspect you would, A, try and isolate him. Uh, B, yes, cut off the supply. And that will be Declan Rice's job, I would imagine. And he's been having an absolute great tournament so far. I mean, I, to be honest, I, w- I would pick the, 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 the same team uh, that he played against Senegal. I think against France, a far more you know attack-minded team you know, you're going to need Henderson in the midfield, I think, with uh, Henderson or Phillips, you know, but somebody who is defensively minded with mm. Rice and Bellingham. Bellingham has a licence to go, you know, up and down the pitch as far as I'm concerned, but you basically need two effectively more defensively minded midfielders if you're playing a good attacking team like France. Um, I, I mean, if Henderson's got the legs in him for a big match like that, then I'd, I'd play him, actually. Uh, Defence stays where it is. Um, and I mean, you can't really argue against the, the the front three. You know, I mean, Foden is a good player. I, I like the way he plays. Kane and of course Saka. So that'll be interesting. But Mbappe, you know, if you're an old pro, what you? I mean, it'd be interesting to hear what Gary Chivers would say. But if I know Gary, he'd say, well, of course, the first thing you do is in the first five minutes you two foot him. That's Chopper Harris's way of doing it. Well, like, any but, any player. But I think you can't really do that these days, sadly. No, but. No. Uh, I mean, you know, you're right. He's good enough, isn't he, to turn a game on his own. But I think they'll play Walker against him. So hopefully Walker can match his pace. Yeah. Uh, but Walker will need help. So they'll need good cover in defence and also from the likes of Rice and possibly Henderson. So we'll see. I mean, the reality is, Chris, you know, they're really, really, really good. They're rightly, I think, joint favourites, but they're not unbeatable. And and we are in. we are clearly 
doing what you're supposed to do in tournaments, which is to keep getting better as you go along. Mm-hmm. And I'd say we're in pretty good form. I think that Southgate knows his best 11. I think he knows that he's got really good players to come on and change the game if he has to, which is good. So we're strong too. Bottom line is, if we play to our best and you know we've got a good chance of beating them, but we also are going to need a bit of luck because you and I are old enough to have seen many, many, many tournaments. And mm. quite frankly, you get through these competitions with a bit of luck as well. I mean, go back to 86 in Argentina. You know, we were playing out of our skins uh, in, in the matches leading up to that and that one. And we got bad luck uh, with, with Maradona's handball. Germany semi-final in 1990. You know, that goal that uh, Bremer scored from the free kick, hitting Paul Parker's arse and looping over Shilton. That's yeah. bad luck. And yeah. then it went to penalties. So you need a bit of luck in these competitions if you're going to go far. So with a bit of luck and playing absolutely at their potential, they've got every chance of beating them. But my God, it will be tough if France play to their potential as well. And we we can't start giving the ball away from Maguire and Stones, can we, on, on this game? They've got to just go long and, and, and play the wing backs, make them be the out ball. Because if Pickford's picking out Maguire's picking up Bellingham or someone in midfield and we lose it, then their speed just going to finish us off. You're right. We we cannot afford to lose the ball. But I, 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 I mean, you know, what Senegal did that was really impressive, certainly in that first half an hour, they met, they went man to man, basically. So mm. every time, so basically Maguire didn't have anybody really to aim at. And as soon as the ball went towards somebody, Senegal were on them like that. They either got won the ball or fouled them. France mm. aren't going to play like that. I don't think they're going to sit there and, you know, high presses at all. No. But if we, you know, give the ball away carelessly or sloppily, they can kill you in an instant. Mm. So you're right, we've got to keep hold of the ball. But I don't think the pressing will be so much of an issue with France. And I think we'll get a lot more space, you know. And we can hurt them. I really mm. think so, you know. We've got the players to hurt them too, you know. Could yeah. be a cracking game if it all goes, you know, if it all goes well. Could be a really, really good game. That's Stanford Chidge with his views on the England versus France game and also Morocco-Portugal. Let's hear now from John Gus Ferguson from the Lily White Foundation. Gus, thanks so much for joining us again on the podcast and, and your plans for the Qatar World Cup are very exciting for any kind of football fan, but to go to the semis and the final, you've really got the winning tickets there, haven't you? Thanks, Chris. Yeah, great to be back on. It's amazing the lengths one will go to to get away from a cold, snowy Europe. Uh, did hit the jackpot, was very lucky. A friend of mine um, had the connections to get the semi-final tickets and the uh, final ticket. So uh, uh, hopefully I haven't got to dress up as a mascot or anything, but um, uh, you know, looking forward to some really good football. In, and uh, been out here a few days now in the Middle East and you know, could can't speak highly enough of it. You know, the, the atmosphere is fantastic. Uh, was you know down in the fan park mm. for the Portugal game, and uh, you know it's just, the atmosphere is great, and everyone's having a great time. And how's it been out there? Because obviously, at the start of the competition, TV channels were making a point about the negativity of what Qatar were doing to the fans, etc. But it seems to have calmed down now. Is it? What's it been like out there? What's the the feeling been like in Dubai and Qatar? locally to the way the competition has gone so far well i've only just arrived so um in the last day or so so i can't speak from personal experience but i have a lot of friends and business partners and colleagues out here uh, many have been to a lot of the games already in qatar and 
every one of them has said it's been you know faultless there's been no problems whatsoever and there's a lot of media hype as you'd probably expect yeah well, let's have a look at the, the England-France game in particular. Obviously, you being an England fan uh, and having a bit of a foot in both camps, haven't you? You've got uh, Harry Kane, who finally got his goal. We said he would. And what a cracker it was as well uh, to beat Senegal. That was a, a really good performance by England uh, all the way through. Even Eric Dyer managed to come on in the second half and play a few minutes at the back. But you got Hugo Lloris to beat up against the French in the quarter-final. Not only him, we'll mention some other players shortly, but from the Tottenham point of view, is that quite a special thing, do you think, for, for Harry Kane and for Hugo Lloris to be facing each other at such an important time? Definitely, and obviously they know each other extremely well and, you know, club captain and team captain and you, you just think, well, it's, it is built, isn't it? It's the Harry versus Hugo game um, <laughs> for me. That, that is that is what it is. Um I think both teams are, I mean, it's a really difficult one to call, isn't it? I mean, even if you look at the bookies, I think France are the favourites, but not by much. And mm. uh, and, and you, I know there's a bit of speculation that Mbappé might not be fit for, for Saturday, but you wonder how much of that is, um, is mind games. Um, but, you know, it's both teams look great going forward, don't they? You know, France have that attacking quartet, Mbappé, Dembele, Griezmann and, and Giroud. And you know they've all caught the eye. They really have. They've played some some special football going forward. And you know that they've got a uh, the two guys in midfield, uh, Rabio and uh, and one that I can't pronounce his name took took many or something. And uh, took many, yeah, yeah. Took many, yeah. They they look very good as well. But at the back, you know, they've not got any kind of household name defenders mm. who really you know who really trigger. And they looked vulnerable against some of the teams they've played. Um, I don't know, and, and then also England probably very in a similar position. You know, attacking we've got a we've got a wealth of riches. You know, Harry Kane, as we've said, is is, is superb, and he's he's got to be looking forward to having a go against Hugo. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, backed up by you know Foden's added that energy that we really needed probably from the earlier games. I think Henderson's a superb choice by Gareth Southgate. I really do because I think. Having Henderson in has allowed Bellingham to sort of free up and not have the weight of that holding role. Yeah. And Bellingham's been allowed to kind of play nat his natural football game. And he's just a genuine natural midfielder. I mean, he's a very exciting prospect. And um, we keep calling him a prospect, actually. I mean, he's very well established already. But, the um, you know, he's a, he's a good player. And I think that he's, Henderson... He's 19 years of age, guys. I mean, no, you know, you know, I know, when I was 19, when Gary Chiver was 19, well, I don't even want to mention what he was doing. But, <laughs> you know, when you were 19, to come out in the World Cup and go, you know, I'm going to dominate the game. You know what? I'm going to be talking sense before and after it. I'm not going to be stupid. He, you know, he's got so much ahead of him. Let's hope he just keeps a level head and turns into the player that is even better than he is now, because that would be a brilliant talent for England, wouldn't it? Oh, superb. I mean, I, I mean, he is. He, he's he's one of those players that when you watch, he's, everything's quite effortless, mm. and, and that's quite rare to what to see. You know, as you say, even at a young age, normally at that age, they might have the talent, but the decision-making um, is, is, you know, not there. I always, uh, you know, remember having a conversation with you know, your friend of mine, Glenn Hoddle, who said... Um, you know, it's about players that play with awareness and their head up, and and it's not about necessarily being able to pass, shoot, or run. It's it's the decision making, and that comes generally with experience. Well, he's kind of already got that, and uh, 
and as I say, I, I think it was noticeable in the in the last couple of games when Henderson came on and took up that kind of more deeper experience role, and mm. it just allowed Bellingham to go and play his game, and it, and it looked much better. The side looked much more balanced. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really tough game to call. I think both teams look good going forward, and I think both teams are, are vulnerable at the back. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm expecting a five-four thriller. <laughs> it's going to penalties then. Oh wow! There you go. Um, you mentioned the bookies have got it pretty tight. I wonder what price the bookies had Bellingham assist Henderson first goal scorer. That must have been about thirty three to one or something, wasn't it? Must be, must be. Well, I think I think they've got France eleven to eight or something to to win. Right. So uh, it's, it's you know, and England are eleven to five. So um, it really is. You know, the, the, it, it, penalties is probably the the way forward, which is never a good sign for England. No, I mean, I mean, Lloris is pretty good at, at pens, isn't he? They, people just lose their nerves. Spain lost their nerve, didn't they, really? That, oh, they did. I mean, you know, 120 minutes plus penalties and they still couldn't score. You know, mm. it's, um, it's, it's, that's a strange one, that was. I, I think it's, um, I don't know, it was, uh, I actually thought Morocco played really well. And, um, I, I, you know, the first Arab team to reach a quarter final. I, I thought Spain were functional, but not very efficient. Mm. And it was, a, uh, you know, they, they almost played with an arrogance of expecting to win. And uh, and then, you know, desperation sort of crept in as they realised they might not. You know, these managers can be the lucky or out of a job. Southgate, you know, dropped Rashford after he scored two goals. He dropped Saka after he scored a couple in, in the early game as well. And and the players he's brought in, Foden and brought Saka back, both went on and scored. Henderson he brought in, he went on and scored and was one of the man of the matches. The Portuguese coach drops Ronaldo to the bench, brings in a 21-year-old called Goncalo Ramos, who just pops up and scores a hat-trick. How clever can you be as a coach? Uh, I have to say, Chris, you know, you've got to be brave, haven't you, to drop Ronaldo uh, from the national team you know he's he's there he's their national hero and and you know and what a great player he's been over the years he really has however sometimes you, you know you've got to be brave make these decisions and you've got to look at the age and you've got to look at the you know the it, sentiment has to go out the window a little bit and if you know this guy Ramos can do this and he, he clearly has got the ability and he comes on show, shows the world what he's got and maybe there's a new Ronaldo well, the unbelievable opening goal, wasn't it? I mean, left foot, top corner. Even Mr. Hoddle would have been proud of that with our mutual <laughs> friend. <laughs> he certainly would with his left foot. Absolutely incredible goal and incredible talent. We've seen a few talented players, haven't we? We've seen the guy from Croatia, Gvardiol, the foot, the defender. He, he looks pretty good. Xavi Felix looks good for Portugal as well. And It's been great, hasn't it? The, you've enjoyed the tournament so far? Oh, I think it's come alive. I really do. I think there was so much anti-football sort of speculation at the beginning and it it sort of overshadowed what the World Cup finals were all about. And thankfully, you know, that, that died off quite quickly and uh, we've got back to actually watching some really great football. You know, there's I don't think there's actually been a, a bad match. I, I've, I've watched a lot of it and I, and I can't actually remember a, a match that didn't have some sort of interest to it. And... Uh, so it's been, I think it's been a really successful tournament in terms of the football and, um, and I, you know, and what a quarterfinal lineup we have, you know. I think with England, it's about how Gareth sets them up, whether they go with a back three. Well, I think you need Carl Walker in there. He's probably the only defender that can stay up with Mbappe. And, and uh, 
uh, and I think, as you say, it, uh, it's how everyone plays on the night. Who who gets out the starting blocks quick? Who who feels confident? That's a really tough one to call. I'm going to heart's going to overrule everything here and go with an England edging it. Uh, I think you're absolutely right about Morocco and um, Portugal. I know the bookies have got Portugal as clear favourites, but I think Morocco might cause them a few problems. And um, and I I'm going to go with I'm. Gonna, I'm going to call a Morocco win on this one, and then when it comes to Argentina and um, and, the, and the Netherlands or Holland or whichever one you want to call them, it's an interesting one. Isn't it? The Dutch have got better and better, I think, every game. You know, they didn't qualify in 2018, and they've got a new Dutch side there now that's looking stronger and better and more confident each game. I, I quite like them, and I think they'll actually roll Argentina over. I, I think Argentina have done well to get where they got to to be honest I mean, if you look at the first game you know when they lost to Saudi Arabia and Messi's body language was awful the team looked in disarray yeah uh, and then then and then the the sort of goal against Mexico that that reignited Messi and you know he's gone past Maradona's goal tally uh for World Cup goals they've got a bit of uh impetus about them but even even in that last game against Australia to get through to the quarterfinals they won you know 2-1, I think it was 2-1, and uh, one of the goals was given to them by the Australian keeper. So, you know, you, you kind of think, you, uh, I, I think Holland will just be too strong for them. Uh, um, and I, and for me, that's a Dutch win. And as an England fan, Tottenham Hotspur fan, season ticket holder in the nicest seat available, how excited would you be to be able to go and watch England in the semi-final of a World Cup in Qatar? Oh, it would be, be magic. I mean, one of my bucket lists was to go to a World Cup final and, you know, I was lucky to get tickets for this and the semis sort of together as well. So uh, getting a chance to see England there as well would be fantastic. And I'd be delighted for Harry actually as well because it's, it's been a, you know, he, he's he's played, he's held the Tottenham team together for a while now and he's, um, you know, he's he's a great goal scorer and to see him go past the the England record, etc., would be would be magnificent. And uh, what you know, no, nowhere better to do it than on the world stage. We're going to speak to you again, probably just after the semis, certainly before the big final that you're going to go. And I'd be interested in your thoughts when we do speak next time, because you go to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which is absolutely brilliant, the best in the Premier League, the way everyone tells about it, just to compare what the, the Lucille iconic stadium is going to look like and the Al Bayt Stadium, both of those hosting the semis, just to compare what kind of quality the uh, Qataris were able to build for this World Cup. should be really interesting for you, uh, having seen so many different stadiums, the old White Hart Lane, the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, to compare and see what they've done and and how exciting everybody is. And also get a real feel for the atmosphere as well yeah really looking forward to it we'll be over there from uh, monday next week getting ready for the semi-finals on um, tuesday and wednesday and um i will definitely report back and let you know how the uh how, how everyone's feeling and the atmosphere and i, I can't believe any of the stadiums are going to beat the uh the new tottenham stadium it's the best in the world but um, i'm sure they'll give it a go gus thanks for joining us enjoy the semis we'll speak to you soon always a pleasure chris we're very happy to support the LilyWhiteFoundation.com, advancing young people through sport. For more information, visit LilyWhiteFoundation.com.
So, the scene is set for what should be a terrific day's football. Morocco, Portugal in the afternoon. England, France, 7 o'clock UK time in the evening. That's it from us on episode number 19. We'll be back well ahead of Tuesday as we look to episode 20 and the first of the two semi-final games. Gary will join us once again to talk us through the semi-final number one on Tuesday and then the semi-final number two on Wednesday. Come on, England. We'll see you then. <laughs>